On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTech, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com/htec. This is Innovation and Leadership where we interview Navy SEALs, venture capitalists, pro athletes, best-selling authors, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of high achievers as we can get to come on the show. Today's episode is going to be from our mini-series that we created with Corporate Alliance, asking top CEOs and executives and entrepreneurs who have had very large exits, specifically about their thoughts on leadership and people. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really... Uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let them become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. On the last episode, we were talking a lot about... Um, people focus and how this shows up with your clients and, and mm-hmm. running the business. Let's talk about as a co-founder, let's talk about as an entrepreneur, um, your approach to the, the people that you rely on for, I mean, mm-hmm. being in charge can be a lonely position. Talk, talk to me about that from your experience. Well, I think that the relationships of that I have with my chairman, with my CRO, who's my number two, and also, you know, co-founder in this means so much to me. And we look at each other as peers and support each other. And, and I think are a really good, like collaborative team, which I haven't always had in businesses that I've been on management teams in before. So it's something I'm really grateful for and have just recognized the value of that, of that dynamic and having, the a really productive mixture of personalities where we can get a lot done and have a good time doing so so my question i think follow up to that is um thinking about like how to not end up just sitting around the boardroom table drinking your own kool-aid yeah of what, how smart we are right yep uh-huh. when you think about knowledge acquisition and and you guys you know figuring out what the other leaders are doing out there and what you can learn from it and stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what's kind of your go-to sources? Where do you like to start? You know, how do you, yeah. who are your peers? How do you get out there? What do you like to do? Yeah. What I like to do. I have so many great friends who either I went to school with or have, and have been great friends since, or who I've, you know, met along, along the path who are in similar or even different, um, do you have an example of one? One comes well, to yeah. Mind. So, so like one that comes to mind. My closest friend is Susan Peterson. She runs Freshly Picked. 
baby moccasin company we were both introduced because all of our you know guy friends in the in the business world looked at each other and said hey you're you're two women you in business you guys should meet and we kind of rolled our eyes and laughed like okay fine we'll go to lunch but um you know but in that i've really appreciated the relationship um and that um, I call her sort of my personal board of of advisory that um, someone who's in a similar space, who's a woman in, in the business world here and um, helps me keep my head on straight. You know, I was just on a panel with her recently uh-huh. and, uh, you know, for just hockey stick type success. Yeah. She doesn't seem to take herself too seriously, huh? Oh yeah. She has a good time. Yep. And, and I appreciate that. And, and the people who I try to surround myself with are people who don't take themselves too seriously are humble in nature and have a good time because isn't that why we're doing this? You know? Yeah. Well, and let's think about that. I mean, every business is a people business. Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never gotten, you know, at the higher levels of an industry and heard somebody say, that this is not a tight network of people who know each other. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So specifically in the event business, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that so-and-so with some multi, multi-million dollar ranch who had a good experience with you makes it more likely their friends willing to yeah. sign up. Yep. That's true. Um, anything that, any insights of having played that game of, you know, building a relationship or closing a client, it's mm-hmm. all kind of the same, but it's always a little bit of a different recipe when you're in a different industry too. Yeah. Anything that, people from outside your space wouldn't understand about or wouldn't naturally know? Gosh, this space is so fractionalized, which is why we're doing what we're doing here, um, is really working to build that marketplace, um, so that our customers have options. And, and so I think what's actually going on in this industry right now is taking learnings from other industries and recognizing that we can take those and apply them to this industry that hasn't evolved really in in decades and it's it's very fractionalized things are kind of done as they've been done for a long time but yet other industries have evolved pretty significantly so that's one of my areas of focus is taking not just innovation for the sake of innovation, but innovation of best practices out there for evolved marketplace and marketplaces and industries and bringing that into duo and the event venue business. Yeah. So you referenced Airbnb before. Yes. Right. And so a lot of us can think about the technology that might be required mm-hmm. for that and this kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what human aspects are involved in learning from somebody like that and applying it to yours? The human aspects of learning from these other industries. Like and, Airbnb. Let's yeah. take Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. We can think about having the technology and having the website and this, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. What, are they, what are the human or the leadership aspects of either getting your staff used to it or getting your clients used to it? Or what, what, what does it take on the human or leadership aspects of something like that? Yeah, well... I think that I mentioned in not just innovation for the sake of innovation, the human element, doesn't it weave throughout all that we're doing or should, right? And so I think that human element of, well, why, what is needed in evolving an industry? And that should really be rooted in the human element of that industry. So for us, that human element comes from understanding, well, what would benefit our customers, not just bringing something in because it's cool in another industry, but what would be helpful here? And so, you know, for us, it's actually not 
necessarily automated reservation system. Because guess what? Customers don't want to spend $10,000 and book that online. They want to talk to us. They want to get comfortable and share their ideas and make sure that they're booking the right thing. And so technology or evolution might not come from automated reservation system, but it might come from other areas we're focused on like, um, you know, the system for communication so that it's enabling that human interaction, but in a systematized way. So that's one thing we're working on just throughout our sales experience. And another, I um, mean like less friction. So the yes. communication is more efficient. People feel like they're exactly. getting their answers in a more timely way. Yeah. And we can communicate through different modes of communication based on what the customer wants. So some customers want to email. Some customers want to talk on the phone. Others want to text. Others want to do instant chat on our website, right? Instead of shoehorning them into the way you do things. Exactly. responsive. Yeah. So that's what we've been working on is, is um, being able to capture our leads and learn from them what their desired method of communication is and responding in that way. So, you know, that comment I don't think is going to be earth shattering to people right. who read business media, right? <laughs> So how do you separate the difference between um, what we think our customers were like versus which of our hypotheses, which of our prototypes actually worked? Yeah. Well, I'm a numbers person, so my answer is this. It's determine the metrics that matter in your business. And as you're bringing on new processes like we talked about or evolving things, do your metrics change? Do they improve? Because if what matters to you is let's say, um, lead generation and you put processes together that don't impact lead generation, they impact something else. Well, why do that? Right? So my answer is track, understand what matters and track what matters because that should be the driver for what you introduce or evolve or change. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about Folks, maybe let's take somebody from a more bureaucratic background, but uh-huh. less of a, you know, been around more than the year, right? Yeah. And it's not fast moving. And um, maybe there's a lot going on because it's always been going on that way. Mm-hmm. Any advice for leaders who um, they want to help, you know, they want to lead the team to say, we're not going to keep doing this because we've always done it that way. Yeah. We're going to start tracking what actually helps the people we're serving. Yeah. But, you know, the old ruts are so deep. Sure. And especially like take you know maybe some of those organizations where you don't just fire people on the spot yeah unions or there's (laughs) government or there's whatever right any thoughts about how to help those leaders with the maybe the resistance to that kind of metrics and and getting and having the metrics be how we are connecting with our customer instead of just a number for a number's sake yeah and how we how we make those decisions um i would go back to our discussion about relationships and that human or team dynamic that um, it, maybe even taking it on a one-on-one perspective where you talk to the team members and you recognize that um, having others take ownership for that is going to help you get there versus you just holding a flag by yourself and waving it. But really working almost to campaign individually and bring people along, go with me on this, you know, almost that approach of, of, uh, getting people to not just feel like they need to change because you want to. Yeah. Do you have any examples of in your own team of you, like you wanted it this way, but you realized 
so-and-so maybe needed some more ownership over it. Any Anything that comes to mind of like, um, originally you were going to do it this way, but because of the, the people on your team, you decided to let yeah. them take more ownership or something? Yeah, I think that um, our sales team um, has... 10 years of experience, you know, many of the, the managers on that team. And I, I came in thinking and expecting a sales process that looked one way and having quote unquote best practices sort of proving to me, Hey, we should do it this way. And I didn't have some of those. I didn't have the knowledge of some of those finer details and nuances of this industry or the customer base we work with. And one of those examples is the human interaction we talked about that I, I would have, when I first came into this space, I thought I would think people would want to automate the reservation system and not have to talk to a sales rep. But thank goodness like the sales team and managers recognize that and sort of, you know, put their foot down to say, Hey, this is going to be a best practice for this industry. Yeah. And, and I just think that that leadership quality is one that I aim to or I, I strive to have which is that me being a leader in this business doesn't mean I have the answers it means that I want to facilitate the team dynamic you know working together and coming up with those answers themselves okay but what about you know a task-oriented guy like me uh-huh right who likes to be right likes to be in charge yeah likes to get stuff done mm-hmm. right um any advice for for you know that type of personality of um, just things you tell yourself uh, to like slow down and maybe be humble and listen more yeah or and any tricks that you use well I don't know that I have a trick per se but I think being open about it and recognizing that with my management team like our our COO great guy doing great things and he has that uh, approach right and as he should because he's he's running operations and and I think that's great and we can be conscious of where that sure comes in handy right um and then I think that but the communication of here's as a business here are our goals and being goal focused versus approach focused Here's my question though. In leadership, especially when you're winning, yeah. there's all these things that tell you you're special hmm. and you're the big cheese and, and it's easy for staff to treat you like you're special and stuff okay. like that. Any, so I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. And I want to go next level deeper. Up. Okay. For any of us that have the temptation to want to just do it our way. Yeah. And we recognize maybe we're bulldozing people or railroading or, mm-hmm. you know, any, any like, Oh yeah, that's my canary in the coal mine. I know I need to uh, bite my tongue and ask a question instead, or any yeah. anything like that for you. You know what? Maybe not because I think I have the opposite challenge, mm. which is um, you've heard of imposter syndrome. I think which is almost the opposite of that. Which is sometimes I'll feel like, gosh, I do I really know what I'm doing here? Like, I don't know what I'm doing and I just want to not mess this thing up. And, and so I think I have the opposite challenge. Mm-hmm. And I would actually suggest, you know, having, we've done 175 of these episodes. I've yeah. Been, you know, our, our consulting firm has been doing this kind of stuff for years. Right. Uh-huh. I would suggest that m- most leaders have a little bit of both at different times. Fair. And maybe we okay, have a, that's a good, maybe point. we have a different higher ratio at different times. Okay. So, so let's talk about this hmm. one instead though. Okay. At those times, when it feels like, but I didn't get my my CEO certification. I don't yeah, know if I'm yeah. allowed. Yeah. 
Um, do you have any go-to things or is there somebody you call? Is there an audiobook you pull out? Is there any um, routine that helps you like get back on the horse? Yeah. And that's a great question. I think it's that community of people around me that I might, you know, call up Susan and say, do I know what the hell I'm doing? Or, you know, the, the advisors around me. Um, so I think that's one. And then I think when I'm suffering more so from that imposter syndrome, it's me almost like touching base with my comfort zone and my comfort zone might be, okay, I'm just going to pull out some metrics here. I'm just going to like build a little financial model here because I'm going to get in my comfort zone and like take a break real quick and then get back in. Um, and so I guess maybe it's just that comfort zone of where I, um, where I naturally go to in business management. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is but I any... like I like what you said about leaders generally likely have both of that and the, the ratio of that changes over time. Yeah, you try I, to be in the middle, but you, you end try up to be in the middle. Directions. Yeah, and and fair enough. Like there's definitely times where I might be in my comfort zone where I'm like I, I get like I know what's going on here, and I'm gonna you know be the leader here. And and how do you not become cocky in that? Um, that I think is just maybe a day-to-day thing of of starting the each day off with okay what do i need to accomplish here and what should my attitude be in doing it you know yeah you know i'm glad that you brought up that like you know what your comfort zone is mm-hmm. this the the models yeah right where's my excel okay. deal structuring okay. yeah because um i think you know whether it's the the business media or whatever it is mm-hmm. um there's a lot of supposed to's right mm-hmm. and there's yeah. probably even supposed to's about how you're supposed to get centered or whatever yeah <laughs> and it seems like really valuable to know yourself and know hey this is my this is my trigger this way yeah and here's how i'm gonna you know here's here's how i'm gonna hack my own emotions sure and get back on and so i can be <laughs> the leader and yeah. so i can lead from in front and yes um it's interesting to yeah. maybe like instead of listening to supposed to's have a personalized Hey, I know this is my, yeah, this is I my like, happy Gilmore happy place. Yeah, this is my happy place and I'm okay being in that, that I'm not going to feel like I should take other people's advice on what's going to get them centered again, that over time you learn what centers you. And so what is that? Right. And at times, you know, like one of the things that centers me is I have what, what I call it quarterly offsite where I go and, you know, might take a weekend trip somewhere and I'm going to not check emails in the weekend and I'm just going to center myself and have a good time. And I always come out of that with thoughts that I don't think I otherwise would have had if I went from meeting to meeting for those few days. And so it gives me a really good almost, um, you know, just higher level thinking. And I would describe it as preparation for quarterly board meetings when you're running a business, right? I always loved that time because it, I, I would, I carve out time and I think about what matters and higher level and I'm preparing for a board meeting. So, okay, what did we do last quarter? What are we aiming to do this quarter? How are we doing? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? I think doing that on a personal level is super valuable and taking the time to do so has an ROI for sure. Yeah. You know, um, and we're, we're wrapping up here. I think about the other side of the supposed to's that mm-hmm. I was bringing up before of like, you know, if you're a leader, you're supposed to know what to do. And you're supposed to have things handled that you shouldn't need to get centered. Uh-huh. And you should, you yeah. definitely shouldn't admit to anybody that right, you ever need right. time Keep to that get to centered, yourself. right? Yeah. Uh, my, my one lately has been uh, audible.com, my addiction. Oh, right? your addiction. Uh, okay. 
Ryan Holiday wrote this book called The Obstacle is the Way. Okay. Like about applying Stoic philosophy to today. And okay. All these people had terrible things happen to them and beat it anyways, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I'll just like flip open that, flip that open on the phone yeah. and start listening and be like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, right. Grounded. People okay. had way harder things than this, turned yeah. it into their advantage, mm-hmm. you know? And yep. uh, it, it's interesting how that kind of like honesty about it yeah. lets it almost gives every like the other people in your network that permission too. Or when somebody in your network will admit that, then it's like, yeah. Oh, it's normal that I kind of feel that too. Yeah. 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 I think that genuineness or the, yeah, the authenticity, whatever word you want to use is so valuable and it's powerful. Like you said, to feel that from other people and almost gives you more permission. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, let's, let's close this off with, um, something like either the best advice you've ever received or, um, one of the most helpful concepts that has worked for you or, um, okay. well, here's one thing that comes to mind. I'm not sure I'd give it the number one. Cause I have a lot of things that have been really valuable to me. But, um, when I joined dolphin capital, it was before we had raised the fund, but the concept was let's be a private equity fund. And I had another job lined up and, the um the partner who offered me the the position um at dolphin capital said so what were you going to make in the other you know firm and i gave the number thinking in my head oh he's gonna you know increase it by 20 percent or something and he returned with a number okay great and reduced it by call it 30 percent and almost is kind of laughing but to say um hey don't do this because of money do this because you want to get this experience or in my words, you know, acquire this experience. And for me, my answer was, Hey, I am not going to say yes to this position because of the money. And I have really appreciated that lesson early on in my career. And it's something that has had a really strong return for me, meaning I've never felt like I should have taken this position over that one because I would have made more money. Cause you know what? It seems to me that it all works out that, you know, I took a pay cut for gosh, the last three positions, but you know what? It's, it's more than paid for itself in the success we've created and the exits we've had. And, and I'm glad that I wasn't short sighted in my decision for, for that. Love it. Okay. Well, that's in there. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.
Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.